so 2013 when I actually had the realization that there's there, there needs to be more and that's when I started educating myself on what that looks like and what I need to do it was just me and I want to say three crews so I did everything to run the business purchasing everything ARs APs all, all that and then the crews just did the labor and then fast forward to now, uh, we have, uh, we, we're gonna break $7 million in revenues. We have a team of uh, seven W2s uh, on the operation side. We have a salesperson. We have, uh, I wanna say about six to eight crews. And I have a CEO that runs the company. And that's what a, not a scaled up version looks like. That's what, you know, halfway there to the scale-up version looks like. I mean, we're, we're going for $100 million. Hey, everyone. Before we dive into this week's interview, I have to tell you about big news in the GoBundance community for the GoBundance Men's Tribe as well as the Ascend Tribe. Here's the thing. We've always been at $1 million to join GoBundance. We've always had that net worth requirement. We've also have a champion division that has a requirement to be at $5 million in net worth. Well, right now, we just met as a tribal council and decided that we're going to increase the minimum requirement effective January 1, 2023. That minimum requirement is going to go from $1 million to $2 million to become a member of GoBundance. And if you want to be in that champion division, it's going to go from $5 million to $10 million. Again, effective January 1. In addition, the pricing is increasing as well. Our entry into GoBundance, the elite level at now 2 million, effective January 1, will go from 10,000 annually to 12,500 annually. And our champion division will go from 15,000 annually to 20,000 annually. Again, effective January 1st. That means if you're listening to this episode in December of 2022, 2022 then you have an opportunity to apply for membership and get in still at the $1 million mark for elite and 10,000 annually, or the $5 million mark for champion and $15,000 annually. And even though it goes up in January to a new level, 2 million and 10 million, if you're under those, but in elite or champion, you stay in the division that you joined in December of 2022. And on top of that, on top of that, you lock into what we call tier one pricing, which means that if you join for 10,000 by the end of this year, and in two years, the tuition goes up to say 15,000 for, for, for members that join in January and new members at that point, because you're in at 10,000, you'll go up to 12,500 below the new member rate always. Lots of reasons to consider joining GoBundance before the end of the year. Again, this is for the men's side. The women's side is staying where they are right now, but the men's side is increasing in the minimum requirement to join, as well as the tuition rate on January 1. On January 1, all of that is what's in place. But before December 31 of 2022, you can still get in at 10 or 15,000 and at one or 5 million to our elite or champion division and lock into what we call tier one pricing. Now, if you are right there, you're at 700 or 600 and you're like, man, I, a million was where I was hoping to be. Well, there's good news for you too. If you join me in my Ascend community, which is going to soon be renamed Emerge Supercharged, it might be as, the, as, as of the time that you listen to this, as long as you join before the end of 2022, then you will be considered for membership at the $1 million mark. 
Lots of great reasons to join our GoBundance community at any level at this point before the end of the year, even the women's division. At some point, all of this stuff is going to get reviewed on that side as they grow and add more value. So make sure you keep an eye out. And if you haven't already, go to GoBundance.com, apply, and we'll make sure that we get an ambassador on a call with you. We're not, it's not just an easy end. We got to vet you. We have to talk to you. A lot of work has to be done between now and the end of the year. So don't wait. Submit your application at GoBundance.com so that we can determine whether or not you are ready to join GoBundance, especially if you're looking to get in before the pricing and before the minimum requirement goes up. Now to our interview. Enjoy. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the show. Today's guest is a GoBundance OG and one of the one of the most incredible men you're going to meet. So I can't can't wait to introduce him and talk about his story. He's an investor, an entrepreneur, uh, a father, a husband. He does it all. And we're going to talk a lot about today, not only his business, but the expansion of his business and some of the stuff he's been doing with that. So Camille Morris, man, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for that cool intro, man. That's awesome. Hey, you're a cool guy. You deserve a cool intro. So there we go. Thank you. Let's get a little story. So you've got, uh, you know, I know you you have an, an immigrant story. If you don't mind starting with that, just kind of sharing a little bit about uh, how you how you went from, uh, I believe it was Poland to New Jersey. How did that happen? My mom uh, immigrated three years before my brother and I came over. So that was 1990. She came over to the States, uh, set up, a, you know, she set herself up here and then brought me and my brother over in 93. So that three-year period right there in Poland, it was just the three of us with my dad. It was certainly a life-defining time period. Uh, just, you know, three dudes living by themselves uh, and, and, and growing up. And my dad uh, was certainly not always home and and that uh, was something that, that was a, that was a period that definitely shaped me. Uh, but then again, we we come here and to the states. I went to traditional schooling, and then after college, got into the family business. So uh, that's pretty much the, the journey. Can you go into that for a second? This is interesting because I'm in this spot right now. I got young kids; years are older than mine, but my seven and four year old boys. And I, I, you know, I'm 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 worried. I guess you could say is the word about like. You know, how much how, I always say, like, I want them, I want them to be able to fall down on grass if it's on grass, but I want to I want to catch them before they fall off a cliff. But I wonder if sometimes I'm catching them before they fall on grass. So let me ask it this way with your dad. As you look back now as a man to that time when you were, a, I guess, a kid or a teenager at that point. Right. What do you look back on it as as far as the good and the bad of that situation for you as you are today? How did it shape you? What are some things that you feel today represent lessons from that time where he wasn't as available and you know, it's just him and it's a bunch of dudes and there's no feminine presence, that loving presence in the household? What, what today, not like back then, we'll go to that in a second, but what today about you do you look back on and reflect and say, wow, that's this defined who I am today, good or bad? Wow, you know, honestly, I've never even thought about it in in that category right now. Uh, I certainly go back into that that time period in my mind, but uh, but that relating to 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 where am I now? Uh, I think I think a, a risk. I, I I take risks. I'm uh, I'm sort of uh, risk averse. Would you say right? Sure. Uh, I think that's because I was. Uh, 
again, I, I, I don't want to say I was on my own, but yeah. Yeah, there, were, there were long stretches where I was a 10, 11 year old kid on my own. Uh, so it's sort of uh, fast paced, that little grown up time period, growing up time period. And, and certainly I was more mature, uh, probably still way too immature, but more mature than, than, than kids my age. Uh, and, uh, and now I think, again, it, it goes back to maybe an extra courage in my business ventures, extra courage around, uh, around letting my kids take risks, although I don't know, probably challenge myself on that one. I'm, I'm sort of like you. I, I, kinda, I think I catch them before they even fall on the grass too early. Um, so, so that would be that, I think. And, and, and another one that kind of comes to mind is my uh, dedication and devotion. Like when I set my mind onto something, it it's almost always happens. Uh, How do you relate that to that time when you're on your own? Your stick-to-itiveness, how, how does that relate to then? As you just because I had, to, I had to sort of get things done. Like there was no mom to help me, right? Dad was working a lot and uh, he also had his own issues. And, and, and there, there was very little support around me from 10 to 13 years old. So I actually had to, whatever it was, I had to get it done. I'm not saying it was major things. Um, my brother was still there. He's two, he's two years older, but even little things, little things for a little guy are big things. Uh, so, so I think that, that think, thinking about it now, I think that has a lot to do with it too. Is it so, okay. Now go back to then. What was your, what do you remember of that time? Were you resentful, scared? Um, what did it look like for you as a 10, 11 year old kid back then? Yeah, not really resentful for some reason. And, and I, I, I'm surprised about, about, uh, at that, that I'm not even today, not resentful, but certainly scared, man. I mean, I, we were, there were times where my dad was not uh, home for a few days, few nights. And, and we either got locked out of the, the, the apartment, had to hang out on the, on the park benches and stuff. And it wasn't that rough, but, but there was neighbors that always kind of looked after us, but, uh, but it was certainly uh, it was scary, and like I said, it was something that that maybe toughened me up a, a bit quicker than than the usual uh, childhood grow up growing up, uh, and uh, and and allowed me to certain to certainly like develop that muscle of overcoming adversity. Uh, but yeah. yeah, come to think of it, I'm still not resentful to that time. I'm actually <laughs> grateful. <laughs> your brother, fine. your brother, I'm, I, you don't want to speak for him, but has he articulated at all any, any, any harboring of that resentment or, or, I mean, he was, he's older. So maybe he bore a little bit more of the, yeah. the mother father dynamic in the household since your mom wasn't there. Is he feel the same or no? Um, yeah, I mean, he might, he might feel a little bit more resentment because he was o older. And I think he did maybe feel that, uh, the burden was on him more so than, 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 than me. Right. So I'm sure there is a little bit of that, but yeah, he's, uh, we, we both yeah. dealt with it pretty good. Yeah, no, no, you've done, wasn't, you both done fine. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say, I mean, it wasn't that dramatic. It was, it was just different than any other kids growing up at that age. Yeah. Around, that, I, around those parts. I dive into this for that reason. You talked about it. Like, you know, I have these kids that I'm projecting forward, you know, when they're 25, 30 years old, you know, who are they going to be? I'm probably overthinking it as a, as a parent, but who are they going to be? And 
you know, like right now, like my older kid, he's, um, I've just realized this recently. I think his superpower, he's like an X-Men character, right? X-Men, like, you know how, how in those movies, you know, uh, the little girl like learned she could, I don't even know, but like freeze things. And so she gets, she gets like, oh my God, until she learns to harness that power, it's scary and overwhelming, right? Everything that happens is scary. And I feel like he's got this really, really incredible ability to tune into the emotions of people around him. Like he feels like a sensitivity or an empath type of thing, mm-hmm. which lead, can lead to, and at times for him, like you could see some anxiety in him. Like if I tell him a story about somebody who struggled, like you, he feels it so deeply. And I'm like, okay, do I wrap around him right now to encourage this gift and make sure that he's aware? Cause I have this vision of like, if he's if he's feeling overwhelmed by it, he's going to create bad habits, numbing, eating, drinking, whatever, as he gets older. Or am I being too coddling and in, 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 in not saying, hey, life is life. <laughs> it is what it is, which I think is like some way, in some ways, the way I grew up and, you know, to a lesser extent, maybe intentionally, but unintentionally with your mom coming over how you grew up. So that's what I struggle with a bit is do you do you. Do you, I don't know if the word is coddle, but do you support as, as much as you can, your kid and who they are and be there. And like, you're always there as like a crutch and a shoulder, or do you need to like move out of the way, let them fall down? <laughs> I don't know. Is that yeah, jumble any thoughts? It's always, it's always a, a mixture of both. Uh, and that's how I approach my uh, fatherhood with Natalia, the older one. She's back in high school for the first time in in five years. She was homeschooled and she is loving it. But there is certainly a lot of things happening, right? She has a tough time making friends. She's into boys now. Why is that boy not, you know, not interested in me? Things she's not familiar with how to deal with. And I just want to be there. I just want to like... I want to overparent her and and stay in touch and text me. and, And but I'm intentionally, you know, staying back. I'm intentionally reserving myself from the situation because I need her to figure some of these things out on her own. Um, but then when she comes home, I go into her room, we hang out, you know, I let her, I let her speak or, or listen and, and try to try to support her as much as possible. But again, uh, I'm trying to do a little bit of both intentionally. Um, Because they do, they do have to, they have to, they have to make mistakes. They have to learn, learn some lessons in life. And uh, I mean, I, I even go back now. I just thought of this uh, session with Aaron Velke over at the Fanbundance event in Montana, where he talked about intentionally putting our kids in uh, tough situations. Uh, and, and I have to, I'm kind of start, I'm starting to think I got to come up with some concepts here because, you know, we, we live, we live well, we, we have a great lifestyle and there isn't many heartaches that these, my kids will have an opportunity to go through. And I think that's extremely important and to develop your character going forward as it did for me. And I was 10 to 13 years old. Is there anything you're doing right now to, to create hardship in some way or, or not yet? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I can't, I can't come up with anything. I don't know. Start I throwing things at them when they get home. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, like <laughs> things that look like, yeah. like ectoplasma. I, I don't know. You got to put, your, put your hands up. You're a fighter, right? Like, <laughs> here you go. You can start, start creating that. That wouldn't be abuse or anything like that. Not I don't at think. all. Um, totally on homeschooling, can you walk me through the decision on, on homeschooling your, so it sounds like from about what, nine to 14 or eight to 13, she was being homeschooled. 
uh, yeah, 10, 10 to 10 to 15, 10 to 15, 10 to 15. Uh, like 99% of things in my life, uh, everything's, uh, a product of go abundance influence, the influence <laughs> effect and me showing up at Mike McCarthy's fan abundance event early on 2017 over at his house. I see all these families and 60, 70% of them talk about homeschooling and they're homeschooling their kids. And I believe it was the day. Uh, Aaron Amuchistegi had one of his daughters, I forget which one, maybe I'm wrong, maybe a different family, but I thought, I think it was them. One of the families had a graduation for their uh, daughter uh, at the event because she didn't go to school. So they took the opportunity to make it, make it cool and, and uh, celebrated with her that day. And uh, that concept, you know, triggered something in my mind. I did a little research. We, we talked to a bunch of families. Well, actually a lot of research, not a little a lot of research, talked to a bunch of families, and then we pulled the trigger about a year after that and homeschooled our kids. Well, uh, Natalia, because uh, Nell was still too little. Uh, and then Nell uh, was enrolled in the Montessori Academy. So that sort of, that, that alternative education environment was good enough uh, for her. And that's how it all came about. Just simply being around families that, that did it. And um, yeah, we thought we wanted to give it a try. We love to travel and and we experienced the world for five years, and now she wants to go back and get the high school experience. So we're back. Got it. How how did she take it when you took her? When you decided, was it a, a group decision? How did that go? Ten years old. I mean, that's not that's not young. I mean, it's not you know as yeah. far as like she's been five years at that point in school. How did she yeah. take the decision or or contribute to the decision of school to homeschool? It actually worked out uh, because she had some issues with a group of friends or so-called friends. So she wasn't bullied, but she wasn't feeling the vibe. Yeah. Uh, there was some there was some drama there around her around her girlfriends, and she also had a little bit of a health issue with her stomach. Turned out to be nothing, uh, and that all came about the same time as we were trying to make that decision, and that's why she didn't push back on it a lot. And then once she realized that she doesn't have to go to school, obviously, uh, and, and have a little bit more of time freedom, she certainly, uh, accepted it and gravitated towards that. No problem. Second, second kid to Montessori, not homeschooled. Any, any logic on that? Just the kid, how the kid interacts or. Yeah. She's a crazy mofo. <laughs> I I can't handle that in, at at the house. <laughs> yeah. No, she's a little firecracker and, uh, and uh very social yeah. uh not not that natalia isn't but she wasn't as social so that aspect that lack of the social aspect didn't bother natalia as much as i know it would bother nell if we pulled her out of school it would be huge Interesting. so it's just a completely different kid and we kind of kind of recognized it and again montessori is an environment where we could have traveled still there was no issues with taking her out of school so that was uh, that that worked out um fine and um yeah yeah just yeah two two different characters two different people and and you kind of got to recognize the strength and the weaknesses i love it man I, look this has become like a parenting a parenting coaching session from you to me but it's so funny you say that. like my my oldest who's seven now he started in kindergarten but it was virtual it was COVID two years ago right so he was on our like dining room table for two classes a day and he just he couldn't he, it yeah. was like 
to get him from the living room to the dining room for this class was like it was like pulling teeth. So we enrolled him in an Acton, like you said, Gobundance Influence. I keep hear about Acton Academies and McCarthy. He's now his kids are in Acton and all these people that own Actons, Daniel Del Real, all these guys. And I was like, well, what is this? We explored it. There happened to be one in our little town in Michigan. So we enrolled him and oh, my God, perfect fit, perfect fit. Now we move down here and we put him in a Montessori. Montessori is probably a little bit more structured than Acton. It's not yeah. traditional. Trust me. I mean, like you said, it's not yeah. a traditional school. He'd 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 hate that, but or he hated that. But it's still for him like a little bit more restrictive than what he's used to. Now our second kid is a nut, and he's four, so he'll be five when we move back to the states next year. And um, yeah, we don't know what to do. Maybe public school is best for him. Maybe it's a Montessori. Yeah. Maybe it's the actor. We're going to put him in Acton, but we'll see. That's interesting. Family business. Family business is what exactly, and how did the family business start? Well, I guess it's a family business because I'm the second generation, but but, but back when my mom owned it, it wasn't a family business. It was just a business. Yeah. Uh, it's a roofing and siding company, which used to we started out to be just a siding company. It was just my mom doing the paperwork, trying to sell business, and my dad doing the work, one van, and that's how it started. Um, when I took over... She decided she wanted to move to Florida. She didn't want to just close the business, she kind of sold it to me. I paid her over time, a uh, bunch of money. And then um, it was still maybe about, well, yeah, it was two, two, two crews. We had two crews or three maybe. And I did whatever she did, you know, paperwork, admin, all, all, all everything from soup to nuts. I even did a little repairs when, when needed to. So swung a, swung a hammer uh, a little bit too. And then over time, this was 2004, 2005, and over time, structurized it, put processes and systems, discovered again through GoBundance. I was going to ask, yeah, okay, yeah, it was it was GoBundance. Well, not really. Well, hold on, yeah, no, 2013 is my first sort of epiphany around, hey, um, this isn't a business. I can't even save money. Like, what's going on here? So I bought the book, Investing for Dummies, thinking, uh, trying to figure out what is it that I really have. And then I realized it's real estate, it's ownership of businesses and things like that. So it was a little earlier, but then when I walked into the room uh, in, the, in the local meetup here in Philly and, and heard John Antonelli talk about delegation and the team, and then I had, you know, the light bulb went off and I hired my first admin help and so on. And that was the beginning of the real journey of scaling up. This was uh, very early 2017. What is so scaled up? a while. What does a scaled up version of your business look like? So, meaning like you had what two crews at one point, you were doing a little bit of work. It was you doing the admin. You mentioned you have an admin, yeah. but like, can you give a sense of the scope, like territory, number of crews, number of staff, anything like that? So, we have a sense of the size of your business today. Yeah. So, when I, so 2013, when I actually had the realization that there's, there needs to be more. And that's when I started educating myself on what that looks like and what I need to do. It was just me and I want to say three crews. So I did everything to run the business, purchasing everything, ARs, APs, all, all the, and then the crews just did the labor. And then fast forward to now, uh, we have, uh, we, we're going to break $7 million in revenues. We have a team of uh, seven W2s uh, on the operation side. We have a salesperson. We have, uh, I want to say, about six to eight crews, wow. and I have a CEO that runs the company. 
And that's what a, not a scaled up version looks like. That's what, you know, halfway there to the scaled up version looks like. I mean, we're, we're going for a hundred million dollars. Man, man. Yeah. Let me ask you this as a guy that, cause I, what I love about you, you know, you, you are, uh, you're just a humble dude. You just are. That's just the, the aura you give. I, I remember saying to somebody like Camille's that guy that has the best smile, but also wouldn't want to run into him in a dark alley. Your fighting skills. <laughs> I, I wouldn't want to deal with that. Um, but you are, you're, 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 you've come on and spoke to um, Emergent Ascend before, and you were just, this is everything. This is where I'm good. This is where I suck. And it was so raw and you're doing it now. So let me ask you this, because you, you put in a lot of time, effort, energy into, and money into scaling up your business, half scaled, whatever it might be at this point. Right. But like, you've done a lot of work to get to where you are. It's not like, oh, I figured out systems and then systems happen, right? Like you had to learn it and grow. If today was all taken away and you had a hundred grand and you're, you know, you're saying, I'm going to build another business. How would you do it? If you could just give, I don't have to give like a, you know, one first step, second step, but like, what is, what, what's like, when I say that, what's like the first two, three things that jumped to mind? Hey, your business is gone. Somebody took it from you. You know, your mom wanted it back and she, Hey, I have a legal document. I hate you, son. I'm taking it back. How, how do you take a hundred grand and start a, a new business today? Given what you know now? Hmm. So I know, I know, I know where to go with this. Um, I also am going to reference uh, Brandon Turner's uh, talk about levels of business uh, advancement or sort of roles, um, right? Uh, it was like four, yeah, yeah, four like levels, right? Yeah. So you could do it yourself. You could hire somebody to do it for you. You could partner up in this. Instance. So I would certainly take some time and and figure out or make a, make a determination whether I should partner with a doer, right? So a, a CEO right off the bat or try to set things up myself. Hmm. Um, and I think the answer would be, I would certainly start building the team first to get me hmm. there because doing it myself, it took me 15 years to get where I got. Uh, well, actually 20 now, but 15 years to when I started scaling up and I see the trajectory where we are now by leveraging talent. And it's going to take me less than five to get to a hundred mil by leveraging talent. So I would leverage talent. I would certainly, I don't know if the hundred K would get me there or not, but I would partner up equity if I needed to things like that. And I would do, I would certainly go that way. Interesting. I was going to ask you that, like, how do you, how do you recruit and incentivize talent today? I'm sure you have the volume of business and the, and the, uh, the, the income to pay, yeah. you know, top notch or whatever is the market or better for talent. But if you didn't have that, you said partner up equity, that sort of thing. Is that, is that a, like, I, I don't know, thoughts on that further thoughts on that. Like, how do you just give equity or is there some sort of uh, a vesting schedule? Like, how do you, how do you do that? Yeah, if you're if you're starting out a business, I mean, there isn't there is I don't think that you have any much any choice and not to. I mean, you can dress it up as phantom equity, certainly vested. You don't want guys leaving after a year or two and you and you being tied to that person forever. Uh, so certainly put those parameters in there, hundred uh, percent. But yeah, I don't. You know, it's hard for me to imagine anybody would would do would do anything otherwise. If you're not, if you don't have the money to pay them right off the bat, uh, and how do I do that, man? I mean, actually, I think that's one of my kind of superpower skills is to create a vision that people gravitate to and see their vision within my vision. 
I think that's one of my kind of strengths. Uh, I love to inspire people, motivate and, and show them the possibility and potential uh, and whatever ideas we might have and whatever ventures. So, so from my perspective, that, that wouldn't be a problem. I kind of feel very confident around that. Is, is the objective for you then, or the role that you play today, to continually expand that vision so that it fits in it fits oh, the yeah. vision of others like talk about that what how do you do that is that a an intentional process you have do you meet with your team frequently and have these discussions like it makes sense like if you if you are this was my problem i worked for a a, a big company and that big company had a vision right but for me i had a i, I don't know if it's a bigger or uh, probably a bigger vision for my life than the company had for how they wanted my life to go, if that makes any sense, right? Like how yeah. what they were willing to, willing or able to provide for me, my vision expanded beyond that. So I say this now, like I, I think my my reflection is the best people, the ones that can hire still today, the ones that can build and scale their businesses despite all the news and everything that you hear out there, and it's challenging, are the ones who recognize this need. I have to stay ahead with my vision for it to be large enough for these expanding visions that are with me, that are working with me to fit in there. So what does that process look like? Is it just a stated one vision every year that you put out there? I'm kind of curious how you work on that. Uh, well, yeah, there's part of that, right? You got to come up with the grand vision and that's what, that's what it is. And now my job is, as because I'm not no longer involved in the day-to-day -day of the business, my job is to figure out how everybody else's vision fits into mine. Right. So we do that through alignment meetings every quarter, um, just, you know, sit down and, and have a chat about, hey, where you are in life, what your what your ambitions are, or how can I help you uh, from the book, the dream manager, or, or even uh, there was another book that just got written, uh, the DLP guy, uh, Don Wiener, oh, Don Winner, yeah, uh, building uh, an elite organization or something like that. The great, great book around concepts of meetings and and connections with your with your teams, and that's 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 what I do. And and I, every chance I have, whether it's a quarterly meeting, whether we have because we have other kind of get-togethers, uh, every chance I have. I stress the fact that we're building a future environment so that you guys, meaning my team, recognizes the potential, your own potential within the growth. If you want to be the head of HR, talk to me. I'll get you there. I'll get you the training. I'll get you the tools that you need to be in that position to year or two or three from now. You know, if you want to own your own little side, well, not side hustle, a hustle within our business. You want to have two crews that work for you. You can do that within our environment, within our sphere. So you can have your little business um, without the headaches of owning a big business. So I try to talk and 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 recognize these sort of potentials with anybody on my team, and then motivate them and help them and push them in that direction. Um, and and therefore, I always I, my vision always needs to expand. So if I have people who want to be in positions that are currently not in existence. For instance, I would say, I don't know anything, right? We don't have in-house legal. Mm. Somebody wants to become an attorney. Hey, why start off your career by working for b and siding full-time? Mm. That would be an option. I actually just thought of that. Um, <laughs> and, um, and that's, 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 that's my, so it's intentional conversations over and over and over stating the mission 
over and over again and, and trying to inspire everybody as often as possible. There was one more concept that was in there. I lost it. All right, it'll come back to me. It'll come back. It'll come back for sure. I know right now there's a lot, and we're going to talk about this in a moment, uh, the expansion, the acquisition of businesses, or at least a business that you've you've gone, undergone lately, and I'd love to get the details on that. But in the in the current business that you have right now, um, you mentioned like you're not involved day to day in operations, you, you know, quarterly meetings and, and, and making sure that you're understanding the vision. What is it? What does a week look like? How many hours a week do you put in? Do you actually have that? Is it like, is it that structured or is it almost no time? Like, what does a week look like for you or a month look like for you in your current business as the lead of it all? Uh, yeah, I love to, I love structure. I'm, I'm a creature of habit rituals. So yeah, I, I work with the Google Calendar. It's all set up. Um, you know, I, I was ideally when I when I sort of thought about this whole expansion and get and fire myself out of my own position and by by creating talent around me, I thought, oh man, I'm gonna be having all this time, I'm gonna do crazy things and enjoy life. I'm busier than ever. It's just oh. busier with different things, right? So now, uh, again, now, right now, today, a lot of my week goes around the transition of the new company. Uh, but, but even if, t- taking that aside, it's, it's mostly, uh, uh, I still want to, I'm, I'm I check in on the morning huddles for my team. We have a virtual morning huddle and I do that not because I have to, but I, I like to stay connected. Uh, so I always check in on that. And then, uh, obviously uh, a couple of zoom calls here and there, but I certainly structure my week in batches. So, so Mondays and Fridays, I try to keep light. I block my schedule. That's just sort of thinking time, strategy time, just Camille with Camille. And then Wednesdays are all my, uh, departmental meetings with my operations L10. We use EOS systems so we got all our meetings the marketing the operations uh the sales meetings so wednesday's full of meetings and then tuesday and thursdays uh again it's right now it's all around the acquisition with the new company but usually then i schedule one-offs with either my coo a strategy meeting uh and some and, and any other one-off meetings that i need to do so so in terms of running businesses wednesday is the day that i have the actionable items to run the business and i try to walk away from all those meetings without any homework um i'm actually pretty good at that but again i, I still feel i have to be on those meetings but i'm probably going to phase out of those in the next six months as well you go into weekly thinking sessions and you're a big thinker, right? You're visionary. You're always coming up with stuff. How do you then every week bring ideas and thoughts and concepts back to your team and not create chaos? How does that work? So, yeah, no, I I don't try to come up with new ideas every week. I'm sort of thinking, my thinking time is more around the issues that we're working on right now. Call it rocks, right? So everybody has rocks. So if, for instance, uh, you know, with the new acquisition, I'm, I'm, my thinking time now is w- how do we build a roadmap for the position A in, the, in that company? How do we build a roadmap for uh, extra sales? So I'm thinking in terms of the uh, um, current rocks that we have on the docket that we're working on, trying not to re- you know, invent and add more. No, certainly not. Yeah. My guys would not like that. That would be that would be me. That is me. I'm always like, oh, then we could do this. Then we could do that. So you're staying kind of focused and in the lane, yeah. trying to develop 
you're trying to yeah. think ahead on current projects. So you're yeah, and of course ahead. I'll give myself a little time to dream, but that stays on my notebook. It it doesn't go until un, un, until I'm ready to introduce a new idea, a new concept, new vision, like the shared service component. Yes, then we then I plant the seed and I'll say, hey, six months from now we're going to get to work on this. Right now, let's let's finish what we're doing, but this is the next thing. Gotcha. We're going to get to that in just a second, your shared service, but let's go to the thing I said a minute ago, we're going to get to, which is you're acquiring a business. Talk about that. Why? What is it? How does it plug into what you're doing? If at all with the, with the roofing company, give me a little bit of context on the acquisition of a business for you. Yeah. So rewind two years, I was listening to Cody Sanchez on stage at one of the GoBundance events. She's talking about business acquisition uh, as a portfolio sort of a fund concept approach very interesting i didn't take too too much uh i I didn't think too deep into it Uh, my vision and and lane in life up to that point was make money in the business buy real estate rent it out build that portfolio passive income but right about that moment uh i realized i should probably double down on my business instead of spawning cash away for for the real estate and i made that decision i started reinvesting in the business uh looking for that next hire then looking for the coo and so on and so on and a year and a half ago a friend comes over and talks to me about opening up a commercial roofing division for uh within my existing business and i said i'm not interested because to open a new division we have to go in into the market as a new branded company that means margins are low that means we're uh, in the race to the bottom when it comes to pricing and then he says okay well then i know a guy who's looking to sell a commercial roofing business and it just sort of fell into my lap uh so again from the conversation that cody had on stage that planted a seed opportunity showed up i certainly took, took advantage of it without any hesitation because i knew my my sort of mission in life was shifting from real estate more so to business ownership operations and even in real estate we're currently again working on a project in florida but i'm looking at it from the perspective of a business that's going to build the multifamily project uh not really just me investing in a multifamily project so i'm still mm-hmm. looking at it from the business perspective building a team around that making sure we have systems processes to deliver that product as a business um and then again yeah, the 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 whole conversation with the with the seller um took us a, a, quite a while it was a long process but we finally got it done about a month ago how did you go about I mean, look you you're you've done a lot of things you know you've you've built a business uh you know like from your mom to you and bought that from your mom and you did all of that you invested in real estate we'll get to your travel schedule which is inspiring to say the least i love where you go but how did you go about the process of okay so this guy has a commercial roofing company i gotta i gotta figure out how to value it how to negotiate it how to do like how did you go through that process how did you suddenly go from i'm gonna buy one to be incredibly able to yeah that there again goes back to uh go abundance and giving all credit where credit's due so it happened I don't know, it was right about the same time, maybe a little before or after, somewhere, somewhere in there, we created a Saturday call. This was before Microtribe were cool. 
micro tribes were cool. And we created a, a call, but a couple of us that we talked about business acquisition and ownership, and it was geared around acquisition. And I was on that call, not even thinking I was going to buy a business, but we're, uh, but we're having these discussions and I'm learning and then I'm buying books like scaling up and uh, build to uh, build to no buy then build. Mm, so, so I'm educating myself even before this opportunity came along. Uh, and when it did, I felt I have the network that I can lean on. I, I felt a, a, a very comfortable knowledge base and a level where I can intelligently evaluate and business. And also the business was in my lane. It was still a, in sort of a service, uh, you know, although commercial, but it's service, it's still a roofing component. The P&Ls looks identical to my own business. So from that aspect, it was really easy to, to make a call and do the evaluation. Uh, but again, it was the support of the GoBundance tribe and, and, our, and our calls. And, and, uh, and then later I joined the Small Business Micro Tribe. And it was just, just learning. And, and I'm, But one thing I do in life, I certainly, we talked about Jesse Itzler before our call. I yeah. certainly go in first and then try to figure it out later. That's definitely a big component of my being like i'm i'm like i'm a yes guy i'm like fuck it let's do it we'll figure it out <laughs> yeah same same we share that for sure and that's why again when i follow you and know what you do like it, it inspires me no no bullshit like i look at you and i look Thank at you. what you're doing and it's like okay yeah that you know that's the path right like just somebody who's not only we talked about parenting right but not only you know uh, uh being authentic in his business life but prioritizing being a parent travel and all of that stuff Tell me if, and maybe coach me on this. This is my take. Tell me if you think I'm right or wrong from your perspective. You've mentioned GoBundance a few times. So we'll call it network, your network. I've said this, like, you, you know my story, like go from a job to not a job. And I'm building this thing and doing these things and right out there kind of, you know, uh, on my own for the first time, which has been incredible, incredible in so many ways, ups and downs of incredible, right? But I've said this and, and you know, I hope I never have to be taken to <laughs> take it a task on it. But if I lost everything, if all of it stopped working, whatever I do, like my my online education company fails and uh, quantum capital is gone and I don't have the real estate side, all of the things that I'm doing fail. I still and wholeheartedly believe that the best equity I have is in my network equity, meaning like the investment I've made in, in my case, GoBundance, in your case, GoBundance, and even other other courses, masterminds that, that you know, that are are aligned with who I am. I've joined somewhere. I'm like, ah, that was a mistake. I just, that's shiny object. But, you know, but for the most part, the ones, and even those, there's some dividends paid for that. But I go back to like, if I had, if I'm down to 10 grand, that's all I got. And I got to do something with this 10 grand. I'm buying my way into a network. I'm getting myself surrounded by people. From your perspective, you've got a lot more to lose from a financial perspective right now than I do. Meaning, you've, you know, you've just, you've had a, a hell of a success and I'm, I'm, I'm so happy for you. But if you lost it all, which again, won't happen, would you agree with that? Or, or would you coach me to say, I think you have to value something else first? No, 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 no. And I think that answer should be universal. I don't, if, if somebody says anything, otherwise something's wrong. It's all about the network. It is like everything is about the network. Uh, right. And, uh, even to elaborate on that, I, it's it's every single component of my journey 
in the last three years because that is that has been the biggest uptick uh that hockey stuff well not yet a hockey stuff but it's beginning it's maybe stuff. hopefully to look like a hockey stick. it's incredible every yeah. single component of that every lever i pulled every decision i made was through a connection hmm. nothing there i figured out on my own or sort of acted or created on my own i don't know if that's a bad or a good thing i take it as a good thing uh you know hiring a coach for my business was was pivotal i got the coach through the network i got the coach through go abundance um even earlier on eos was also True. through yeah. through network everything everything every component i added to my to my environment was was first asking questions asking about people's experience with that with that item or component and then me either acting on it or not pulling a trigger but uh, it's it would I would be so difficult try to to try to do it on your own. I can't even imagine, man. Me neither. It would neither. take a lifetime to get to to where I am by trial and error, man. That was that would be brutal. I always say so, that my my stated objective when I joined GoBundance, for instance, and this was like going from I'm surrounded by employee employee minds, high level, but employee minds, to now I'm jumping into an entrepreneurial mastermind. Talk about feeling out of place, but that discomfort led to something. But my stated goal was to quit my job in 10 years, acquire enough real estate over the next decade to walk away. It happened in under two from the time that I made it that stated that objective, right? It was like that yes. quick because of the network, because of the people I surrounded myself with. And then I even say as well, like once I did, the challenge I had was because of investing not only the money, but the time in being part of that network and being open and giving as much as I, I whatever I'm able to, like the opportunities coming at me when I left my job, when people, oh, you're freeing up time. What if we do this? What if we do that? The things I had to say no to, there were so many opportunities. That was my biggest challenge. And that's all a credit to a network. So Okay, good. I'm on the Camille Morris path. I got Amen. the answer right. It's the only path. <laughs> I love it. Um, I forget what you called it, but you said in you know maybe six months or so, you're looking at a services, what did you call it? Business? Shared services. Company. Shared services. What is that? What does that mean? What does that look like? In, in simple terms, it's just basically creating a company that will service all my entities from the from the back end component of the operations, whether it's admin, purchasing, um, you know, AR, legal, accounting, HR, that whole sphere, I want to centralize, get the best people I can, and then be able to service my companies, all the new acquisitions that I'll have uh, that that will come in the future. And at some point, once we narrow down, this is this is uh, Dirk Van Van Reen. Van Reen, yeah. Van Reen helped me with the realizing this concept. Is when we um, master that that service shared service company, we can then offer it to other similar businesses that are in the service industry that fit that portfolio. Uh, and and we can do that through offering services, maybe offering education around it, uh, and then create a huge silo of as many companies as possible that is that is controlled by that shared service company. Wow. You said you're going to a hundred million, right? That's the vision, the objective, the goal, whatever it might be, the 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 big dream. Are you structuring 
by acquiring this business and eventually starting the shared service business, are you structured for a hundred million at that point? In other words, are you are you putting your company in a position to be a hundred million dollar company before it is, or yes. do you build it as you go? It's a little bit of both again, like anything in life, but certainly the step, the, the step ahead is being ready to be it. Uh, even this, this goes back to even the way I carry myself. I, I do my miracle morning every day and I have a series of affirmations. Uh, I try to live every day. Like I'm already a no one over a hundred million dollar company. When I make business decisions, I'm making them as a guy who owns a hundred million dollar company. Mm. Uh, even goes back to hiring my COO, who's the best thing that could ever happen to me. Uh, I was ready to hire a different person. I had a session with my coach at the time made me realize, am I hiring for now or do I want to hire for the future? So I, I completely, I reset the whole search criteria. I was using a recruiting company and then we reevaluated, bumped up the compensation package, bumped up the criteria and we hired the right person. And uh, a person that has been at 70 million levels and, and probably above so I'm always trying to be a step ahead, but I don't want to over um, extend mm. myself financially because I, I'm still doing everything with my own money. I'm trying not to take any loans, any any lines of credit for growth. I want to try to do it with my own money. So it's certainly I got to make the money to make the grow uh, the growth happen. So so it's a little lagging thing, but uh, I could get there faster if I probably took out some loans and stuff, but I'm not interested at the moment to do that. So, so yes, a little bit of both. Makes sense. Is your passion, what is it? I'm thinking about this. So you're in roofing and siding, a services type business, and then you have these things that you do within that. You have the, the people aspect, uh, the vision setting, the business building, the business acquisition, the the uh, uh, central. Uh, God, I keep forgetting what it's called. Shared services company that you're yes, going to build, so that you can then you could then uh, at some point once it's mastered, start to start to build that. I just think about this from a standpoint, like people that have jobs, and this is me included. When I had mine, I didn't I didn't love the content of the job the content, like what it was. I didn't love that. And maybe it's, maybe it's me. I couldn't, I couldn't create the context around it to find what I was passionate about. If that makes sense. Like, so I'm wondering, is the content of what you do, your passion roofing and siding? Like, I just love seeing a project roll through, or is there something within the context around that content? That is your true passion that you lean into. I think I know the answer, but I wanted to hear you talk about that. Yeah, it's definitely the context. It's it's me seeing my team members thrive, having a purpose, uh, even if it's family. Right? They they, they the, the the job that they do lets them uh, allows them to enjoy and create more for the family by making more money, that sort of thing. But for me, it's around the context. Uh, we could. We, I always t repeat this to my people. We. It doesn't matter that we're doing roofing inside. We could have been painting homes. I don't care. That's just a tool. Uh, it's 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 everything else. And the customer's journey is included in there too. I get sure. a lot of satisfaction where where we have when we know that we took a customer from from A to Z and and we get great reviews and. Uh, and that's very satisfying. Um, I, it's to me, I'm building something 
bigger that I, I need to have. It's like sort of a sense of duty for me to have my people achieve their dreams, however small or big there might be within what I'm trying to create. And, and we need that vehicle. We need a bigger vehicle to get more people where they need to, where they want to get to. I love that, man. That's, that's a great, and thanks for sharing that. Cause I, I think about that a lot, you know, not with regret from leaving the job. I don't regret that at all, but it's like, well, why couldn't I, cause I, like you said, I enjoy the, the people aspect. I enjoy the team building. I enjoy all of that. Like, why couldn't I find that in my, in my gig, right? I was at a high enough level, but the, the thing I think for me was a corporation is structured in such a way that like, this is the job description. You don't get a say, no matter what level you're at, you don't get a say in how you adjust that. Now there might be other jobs that serve you better, but it's always like 60%. Like this is, I'm almost there. Right. Whereas now what you're doing, and this is where you truly inspire me is you are, you're in the roofing and siding business, but you've got a passion for the team building and the people building and all of that. So you have structured it so that, the day-to-day activities that you have within a roofing and siding business and, and the things you're bolting onto it are fully aligned with where you're, you feel purposeful and passionate and of the most value to those that are on your team. And that's, I think, the difference when you leave a W-2 and go into the entrepreneurial world is, you know, it's risky, it's all of that, but you can you can lean into your gifts. And I still haven't fully done this, and I need to. Lean into your gifts in such a way that you can provide the most possible value Without the, I always say job descriptions. You ever read a job at a company? Like, I need to be able to analyze this, develop people. It's like you know, some of those skills are, are just like I know great analysts. They couldn't develop their way out of a paper bag. They couldn't help a person figure out anything. They don't know how. They don't have that skill. Same time, I know people, and I'm one of these guys that can have a great interaction and dive in and coach and guide and all of that. But sit me down with a spreadsheet. I want to fucking kill myself. You know, like it's just not my. It's not me. So. I, that's what I think is the beauty of what you do is that you put yourself in this position and just to honor you on this, where you're well, leaning you. fully into what you love and what you're great at. And that serves the content, which is the the roofing and siding business. So anyway, yeah. Wanna, one more thing. And then I want to go to our, our wrap up here, but uh, travel, we'd be remiss if we didn't. I mean, you are, I, I've seen you on this yacht in Turkey, Turkey, was it? Yeah. Hungary or Turkey? Beautiful. You and a bunch of guys. Uh, you were just in Vegas, I know, uh, with uh, with Perez and Miguel and some of these guys. What is your travel schedule? Like, how do you, what's your travel schedule like in a year? How many days a year? Do you have it down? Do you know how many days a year yeah. you travel? And do you have like yeah. a system or like a, like a way that you decide what to do and when to do it? What does that look like? Uh, so we, we traveled in the last three years, six months out of the year. Um, each year? Each year. Yeah. Wow. Wow. But I, yeah, I wish it was just six months and then you get back, right? It's you used to some. I was always trying to tailor everything to the to the best fit. I was testing things out. So initially, we did a lot of four day weekends, five day weekends. Uh, incorporated the weekend into it because I was still involved in my business, so I couldn't get away for a longer period of time. And by the way, travel, I. I value travel and i assign a lot of my success to my time off it mm. forced me to implement things into my business faster more courageously because i knew i wanted to travel and i and i and i bet on my people 
And if I didn't, if I wasn't away from the business for that long uh, and those times, amounts of time, I might have stayed more reserved and my business would have probably scaled up a lot slower. So that that's the, that's that was a purposeful, um, uh, unintended result, certainly. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, that was early on, and now now we have we take longer trips, um, and uh, we just it's to me it's I probably overdid it this year though. This year I kind of overdid it. I got to lean. I got to tailor you know reel it back in a little <laughs> bit. Uh, but it was it's 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 my life is it's I feel so blessed, yeah. and I'm one that. I kind of, I, you know, I always save 40% of all my income reinvested. Uh, so that's definitely always in place, but I try to live as much as I can, right. And create those experiences for my kids and, and the family and get away with other couples and families and, and see as much of the world. And I just, I don't want to end up on a deathbed and, and regretting anything. I try to live all out, man, responsibly. Uh, yeah. Sure. Uh, let's go to the final question here, which is the GoBundance card game question, seven of diamonds. Other than the birth of your children and your marriage, describe a high point moment in your life. Mm. <laughs> So recently, I'm going to have to say that business acquisition here that just happened. Uh, I, allow, I I very rarely allow myself to celebrate a, a win. And this time I was intentional around just celebrating it, giving myself props. It's something not only a, a beautiful thing around that I bought a business and now it's doubled revenues and doubled everything in my in my professional life, but it gave me proof that I'm able to pull it off mm. and it gave me confidence that this is my lane going forward, business mergers and acquisitions and growth. It, it gave me a lot of uh, proof and confidence around where I'm going to be, where I'm heading, and that, that certain goals are certainly achievable in a way shorter amount of time than I originally thought. So that that's probably one of the biggest ones. Well, the biggest ones recently, yeah. Love it. Camille, where do you want folks to learn more about you, whether it's a social media handle, a website? What do you want to leave folks with? Uh, just social media is fine, yeah. What's uh, what's your handle? Instagram, Facebook? Where, where Where's the best place to yeah, find you? Both. It's uh, Camille underscore Maris. Camille underscore Maris. Brother, appreciate you. I'll see you in a couple of weeks as we record this. Uh, in uh in there. beautiful austin texas i'm coming from warm weather for the i'm going up to austin i used to always say down <laughs> i'll see you up in austin from where i am and uh always i'm excited can't wait to see you can't wait to see you all right brother appreciate you